Today, Lord, as we stand in this house of prayer, our hearts are gladdened by the truth of the Easter resurrection, that the grave could not hold you. And I pray, O God, that you would startle us again with this resurrection truth, the truth that Christ is risen and that love is stronger than death. Lord, today we've come from many places and experiences. We come today like the women on that first Easter. We come to the tomb. We'll acknowledge, Lord, that some of us come with uncertainties. Some of us have come here today with doubts and fears. I trust, Lord, that all of us have come with a desire to have you move into our lives with your divine power and your great love. Startle us with the amazing quality of Your grace. Renew our hope. Strengthen us, Lord, by Your love. And help us to live this day and all the days that You lend to us for the glory of our risen Lord, in whose great name we pray together. And God's people said, you may be seated. Well, in case you missed it, it's Easter. It's interesting uh, the way the calendar falls this particular year. Easter, March 23rd, 2008. Uh, it's almost the earliest that Easter will fall on the calendar. Uh, as you probably know, Easter is always the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. You knew that, right? Something for you to impress your relatives over lunch. The dating of Easter is based on the lunar calendar. I don't know what time you arose this morning. But the moon was shining brightly over the treetops in our neck of the woods. So, spring equinox was Thursday, full moon was Friday, so today being the first Sunday after the full moon, after the vernal equinox, it's Easter. Now, what's interesting about this is that uh, Easter can only actually be one day earlier than it is this year. Uh, and that's pretty rare. This year, Easter is the earliest any of us will ever see the rest of our lives. And only the most elderly in our group this morning have ever seen Easter as early as it is this year. You have to be 95 years or older to have seen Easter this early before. Here's the facts about it. The next time Easter will be this early, March the 23rd, will be in the year 2228, 220 years from now. I don't think any of us will be around. The last time it was this early was in 1913. So if you're 95 or older, you are the only ones who are, were around for that. And I'll not ask for a show of hands. 
The next time that Easter will be a day earlier, March 22nd, will be in the year 2285, which is 277 years from now. And the last time it was on March the 22nd, the earliest that it can ever be, was in the year 1818. So that is to say that no one alive today has or will ever see Easter any earlier than it is this year. So I say to you, wake up. This is a history-making moment as we come together to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Now, I want to tell you that uh, being a preacher, that uh, the week before Easter is a bit um, intimidating. Uh, preachers across the land find themselves swinging between almost giddy anticipation of full-to-overflowing sanctuaries. My friend calls it the big one. (laughs) Swinging between that and a palpable sense of anxiety. Rumor has it that some of you only come to church on Easter. No sermon about that. And while I am deeply grateful that you are here, the pragmatic side of me understands that I may only have one shot at you, and so I want to make it count. The preacher's problem, of course, on a high and holy day like this, is that no matter how many times you have been doing this and preaching, the story of Easter, interestingly, the story never changes. The thought of 20 or more Easter sermons is, to me, a bit intimidating. And so into the midst of my pre-Easter scurrying about for some new, fresh material to kind of prod you a bit, a friend of mine asked this week, So, Rick, what are you going to preach about this Sunday? (laughs) I thought it was a rather odd question, as if I had much choice about it. There is this sarcastic part of me that wanted to snort back at my friend and say, well, I thought I'd take, uh, I'd talk about tithing this week. I mean, after all, we'll have a crowd this week. It's a good week to do it. Or I thought maybe I'd talk about the doctrine of superlapsarianism. There really is one. You don't know what it is, do you? Good. After lunch, before your nap, sit down at the computer and Google it. Superlapsarianism. Come back next week. We'll have a quiz. I'm sure that'll keep you coming. Superlapsarianism. Quiz. So I have a hunch that you know what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the pivotal event of our Christian faith. I want to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
This is the cornerstone, the great cornerstone of our faith. Everything that we have, everything that we hope to be, everything that we are, all that we believe as Christ followers is predicated on the reality of Christ's resurrection from the dead. In fact, without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Paul said in his text, you heard it read just moments ago, that if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is useless, your preaching is futile, preachers are out of a job if Christ has not been raised. There would be no Christianity if there were no resurrection. Conversely, because there is a resurrection of Jesus, all of the elements of our faith in God and in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, in the triune God, are affirmed in every truest sense. So the real question this morning is not, well, is the message new? No, that's not the question. The question this morning is, has the message of Easter changed you? Has it changed the way you live? Has it changed your approach to life and death? Has it changed your value system, the way you parent, the way you relate to your spouse? Has it changed you in, in, in your moral values? Has it changed you in your deepest being? Not as the message new, but has the message of Easter changed you? Pretty astonishing, I think, that there, that something that's so central to our faith that there's no official version of the resurrection. In fact, you look at the four Gospels, and, and while there are similar details, you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each of the Gospels have, has a little bit different slant on it. A uniqueness about their record of that Easter Sunday morning. And because of the differences in the four accounts, it makes it impossible to reconcile fully all the different individuals and actions that appear in each of those four accounts. It is interesting to note, however, that each gospel writer gives witness to Jesus' resurrection and his later appearances to Peter, to John, to the women, to the other disciples, and then to the 500 and on and on. And even though each one sees it a wee bit differently, from their own personal perspective, there are some common threads. What are those common threads? All four Gospels make several common announcements. In each Gospel, there is, first of all, a gaping empty tomb. All four of them agree on that. All four of the Gospels report that there was a formal pronouncement of Jesus' resurrection to the women. Isn't it interesting? I won't make a lot of comment on it this morning, but isn't it interesting that Jesus chooses to appear first to the women and announce this glorious truth to them first? All four gospel writers agree on this. And then thirdly, the common announcement in each of the four gospels is that there is an appearance of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples. All of them speak to the one pivotal truth that Christ is risen, He is risen indeed. But each of them has a different slant. Mark tells us that in that first Easter, <coughs> there was a young man dressed in a white robe. Luke uh, has Easter as a meal on Sunday evening with the risen Christ, 
and the disciples seeing uh, the risen Christ in the breaking of the bread. John, in his gospel, has the resurrected Jesus encounter Mary Magdalene in the garden. She mistakes him for the gardener until he speaks out and says, calls her by name and says, Mary. But what about Matthew? What is Matthew's particular slant on Easter? For Matthew, Easter is an earthquake with doors shaken off tombs and dead people walking the streets, the stone rolled away by all the ruckus, and an angel of the Lord whose appearance, Matthew says, was like a streak of lightning in the sky and whose clothes were white as snow. Now, we here in western Pennsylvania have no difficulty imagining what the raiment of the angel looked like. They were white as snow. But Matthew says Easter was like, he uses a metaphor, Easter was like an earthquake. Have you ever been in an earthquake? Uh, I have, I, even though I'm not from California, I've been in an earthquake. And I want to tell you, it's a fairly jarring experience. Matthew says that Easter, that first Easter, is an earthquake. An earthquake that shook the whole world. Matthew 28, 2. There was a violent earthquake. It was high on the Richter scale. A violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. That's, there's some interesting details in there. What caused the earthquake? Some people say that the earthquake was caused by Christ rising from the dead. I don't think so. I, I think that, um, that the earthquake, according to Matthew, was caused by the angel of the Lord descending from heaven. Any time that heaven comes down, things get shaken up. Heaven came down in that moment. An angel of the Lord came and went to the tomb and rolled the stone away and then had the boldness and the defiance to go and plop on the stone. Why did the angel roll the stone away? Was it necessary for the angel to roll the stone away in order that Jesus could come out of the tomb? Absolutely not. The stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out of the tomb. The stone was rolled away so that people could go in and witness that the tomb was empty. And so you have this angel sitting there on this stone, and the, the women, Mary and the other Mary, come very early in the morning. They bring their spices with them to anoint the body of Jesus. And they come and they find the stone is rolled away, and they find that the tomb was empty. God quaked this world, or to say it a little differently, God rocked this world by issuing an earthquake that de-rocked Christ's tomb. He rocked this world to de-rock the tomb. This historically unprecedented and predicted event by prophets of old 
has rocked this world and the shaking, the reverberations of that first Easter are felt even down to this very day in the 21st century. It is the singular basis for verifying the validity, the truthfulness, and the value of the rest of the Christian message. Without the resurrection, we have absolutely nothing. God has quaked our world through the resurrection, and He's still rocking it today. But here is the question. Have you allowed God to earthquake your life? Have you accepted God's invitation to build your life on the solid rock of Jesus Christ? Each year as I prepare my Easter message, I'm I usually go to the commentaries to read again through what Bible commentators uh, say about the resurrection. And the commentaries wrestle over the historicity of this event. And they ask questions like, did it really happen? That's what scholars want to know. They want to prove it. They want incontrovertible evidence that the resurrection is true. Maybe that's your question today. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Maybe you come today and you have some doubts about that. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? There's a part of me that wishes that that the resurrection would have taken place on a morning like this. In our day and age, with the advantage of all kinds of modern technology that we have. Just think about it. If, If Jesus rose on a day like this, on a morning like this, why, we would have CNN there with their cameras and their news teams, and we would have live up-to-the-minute reports, and, and uh, believe it or not, the scientists would be coming in and running DNA tests, and they'd be examining the shroud and doing all of this and that. And, 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 and finally, we could settle this question, did he really rise from the dead? We would know for sure. If we had that kind of evidence, Would you believe it then? I really don't think it would help all that much. I think that all of that would miss the point. I want you to know that I believe that the Bible, God's Word, is true and accurate in all of its faith claims. I want you to know that because the Bible speaks of this central, pivotal, defining moment in human history that Christ has died, Christ was buried, and Christ was risen from the dead. That I believe with all of my heart. I have staked my life on it. I I, I accept this as my faith claim. I believe that Jesus literally rose from the dead. But to tell you the truth... That's not all that difficult because Gallup polls recently surveyed Americans and found that 87% of Americans believe in the resurrection. They believe in the resurrection. So again, the real question is not do you believe. The question really is, has it rocked your world? You see, the more interesting survey that Gallup should do is to ask the question, what difference does Christ's resurrection from the dead make in your life? What difference will Christ's resurrection make 
tomorrow morning when you walk into your office or into your classroom? What difference will Christ's resurrection make in the way that you parent your children? What difference does the resurrection make when you're struggling to find hope to keep going? What difference does the resurrection make when you're lonely or discouraged? What difference does the resurrection make when you stand beside the graveside of one that you've loved on this earth? What difference does the resurrection make when you're trying to figure out whether your life really matters and has purpose? I believe that the real question of Easter is this. Have you discovered the risen Christ in your own life? Is He changing you? Have you opened your heart and life up to Him? Do you understand that God has a purpose for your life and He wants to save you and He wants to shape you into the image of His Son? Sure, 87% of people alive say that the Savior is risen. But how many of those same 87% assume that God doesn't want to be involved in their life? So the question is not just, is he alive, but is he involved? See, I believe the, the problem for most of us today is simply this, that too many of us believe that you can have resurrection and still have your world as usual. We want to have Easter and still have our worlds unrocked by the resurrection. It can't happen. You can't really have Easter. Oh, you, you can put on the, the vestige of Easter. You can wear your Easter hat and your Easter dress. and You can go through all the motions of Easter. But if you're really open to this truth of the resurrection, it will rock your world. It's not going to be business as usual if you let the power of Jesus in. It won't be the same old, same old. The resurrection comes and strikes fear in our hearts. I like what uh, Craig Barnes, pastor of Shadyside Presbyterian and a professor of mine in my studies says. It's so profound. He says, Easter is not some sentimental reassurance about springtime hope. It is certainly not about bunnies or decorated eggs or little girls in cute dresses. I love this next sentence. It's about women with their dresses hiked up to their knees, running in terror out of a graveyard. He is not here. He is risen. And I want to say, folks, if you let Easter get to the heart of you, you're going to start hiking up your pants and your skirts. Because God is about ready to rock your world if you allow Him. So if you're really paying attention, if you're really paying attention, wake up, you sleepyhead. If you're paying attention to the message of Easter, you'll consider the implications of the res resurrection. And I believe that when you let Easter get down deep in you, it will strike fear in your heart because the power of God has come down to do something extraordinary. In fact, I would be so bold to say to you 
that you don't really understand Easter if it doesn't scare you a bit. Like an earthquake, Easter has the power to shake the very foundations of your life. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were right to be terrified as they stood before the epicenter of that empty tomb. I find it interesting that Matthew even chooses to talk about the soldiers there. He says that they were just shaking in their boots. They were like dead men walking. The problem with us is that in our modern and postmodern world, we want to explain everything. We want to have proofs for everything. We modern types try to explain the resurrection. Some say that, well, the resurrection really didn't happen. Jesus was just in, a, in an induced coma and He woke up. He really didn't die. Another explained the resurrection away by saying the disciples just got all overcome by their grief and losing their rabbi and they fantasized the whole thing. It seemed like a good story. Listen to me, friends. You can't explain the resurrection. The resurrection explains us. The truth of Jesus tells on the face of befuddled disciples who witnessed it. They're scratching their heads left wondering, what is all of this about? Not one of them expected Easter. The women come with their hundreds of pounds of spices to anoint the body of Jesus. What did they expect to find at that tomb? Life? Absolutely not. They expected to find death. Because death has the last word in this world of human events. They all acknowledged that it was a good run while it lasted. It was a good campaign. But we didn't get Him elected as Messiah. And death has now had the last word. We had hopes, but let's face the facts. He's dead and gone. And so as the dawn begins to break very early in the morning, the women arrived in that garden and coming to the tomb, the borrowed tomb, lent by Joseph of Arimathea. And Scripture says, And suddenly... Out of nowhere there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing was white as snow. For fear of him the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Jesus is not here, for he has risen as he said he would. My friends, that is the old, old, old message of Easter. But has it moved into your life? Easter is not about resuscitating a dead body. Easter is about resurrection. Easter is not about the immortality of the soul, some divine spark that endures after the end. That's Platonic, not Jesus. Easter is about God. Not God as some empathetic but weak individual. Easter is about God who creates a way when there is no way. A God who wars on evil until evil is undone. A God who made a way through death to show us, to show the world, to show you and me who really is in charge after all? I don't know this for sure, but I think that the Easter earthquake angel reported there in Matthew 28 
the one who perched himself on the rock, rolled from the tomb, I think maybe, let me think it this way anyways, I think maybe it was the same angel who back in Matthew chapter 1 came to Joseph while he was sleeping and dreaming and said, Mary, the woman to whom you are espoused, is about to give birth to a child, and Joseph, you shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. Wouldn't it be interesting if that were true? That the angel made this heavenly announcement to Joseph about the birth of Emmanuel. Talk about an earthquake. And that 33 years later, that same angel would come to the women on that early Easter morning and say, don't be afraid. He's not here. He has risen. Emmanuel has grown up. He was crucified. He was buried. He was dead. But now he is alive forevermore. Don't be afraid. He is risen. At Easter, God did all He could. And the earth shook. God inserted a new reality into human history. God took the cruel cross, the worst that man had to throw at God, and God threw at it His divine power and made the cross a means of victory for you and me. Therefore, when I open my heart and life up to Easter, here's just one of the ways it affects me. I don't need to fear death. Death holds no power over me as a Christ follower because I know that as a follower of Jesus Christ, having staked my life on Jesus, that when I draw my last and final breath on this earth and when they throw some clods of dirt on me and then they all go back to the church to eat chicken and red jello. <laughs> that I will be more alive than I've ever been in this life. Why do I know that? Because Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will never die. Eternal life. The soldiers shook. The angel sat in bold defiance on the rock. The women ran to tell the other disciples and they were changed forevermore. That's one of the interesting things. Had we had time this morning, we could talk about all the changes in these people's lives. They never were the same again because of the resurrection. Their life was forever changed. And my friend, that's what the resurrection is about. It's something of seismic proportions. It has the potential to be life-changing. But understanding this in your head is not enough. You've got, you've got to believe it by faith in your heart. You've got to, based on the wooing and the calling of the Holy Spirit, you need to respond to the Spirit's call and take some action steps. Understanding what I've talked about this morning is not enough. And I believe that maybe God, by His Holy Spirit, is in this room today and He's speaking to some of you. He's inviting you to come into a relationship with Him today and open your heart and life and let Him rock your world. 
He's inviting you to say, God, I want the power of your resurrection to move into my life. I want you to change me. I want you to remake me. I want you to give me a new heart and a new spirit. I want to be alive in the same way that Jesus was alive. And he will do that if you will come to him by faith. Let me ask you a question this morning. Could anybody in this room use a little extra power in your life? Maybe what God is inviting you to to do today is to say, God, let the power of your resurrection be realized in my life. Maybe there's a stone in your life that needs to be rolled away. Maybe that stone is a a broken relationship. Maybe that stone is, is a work problem or a financial problem. Maybe that stone that needs to be rolled away is something to do in your faith walk. Maybe that stone in your life is a habit or addiction that is literally destroying you and everything that you love. And you're just not strong enough to handle it. But I know one who is, if you would allow him to come in and rock your world. Is there some area of your life that needs to be rocked a bit? There's some component of your life where the resurrection reality needs to be released. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead needs to be put at work in you. Listen, I'm no fool. All of us came here this morning for different reasons. Some of us came here this morning because it's the traditional thing to do, to go to church on Easter. Others of you came because a friend or a family member invited you to come and you didn't want to disappoint them. Some of you may have come today because you saw an advertisement in the paper that attracted your attention. It doesn't matter why you think you came here today. I want to tell you, you're not here by accident. Because God sovereignly has moved and He brought you here so He could say something to you today. And it will be planted as a seed in your heart. I hope that the Spirit will water it and cause it to grow and it will come to the full flower of belief. But here's what God wants to say to you today. You matter to me. I love you with an everlasting love. I understand you better than you understand yourself. I know you. Remember, I made you. And I sent my son Jesus to die on a cross that you might have life and that life more abundantly. I want you to get to know me. That's what Jesus wants to say to you today. You may be a Catholic or... Jewish or Protestant, your background may be Mormon or Buddhist or Baptist. I don't care what your background is because I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship, a living relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Easter is about. And he wants you to know the power of his resurrection in your life today. So what will your response be? God has taken the first move. He's quaked and rocked this world. And He's waiting to rock your world, too. What will your response today be to Him? I trust that it will be one of faith and acceptance and belief.
And if you will open your heart and life up to Jesus today, I promise you, He will change you from the inside out. Let's pray together. As we bring this Easter celebration to a close, I just want to have a heart-to-heart briefly with you. In this final moment, God knows every heart. He knows your heart. He knows whether you believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ or not. In Romans chapter 10, it says that if you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, listen, you will be saved. If you've never said yes to Jesus and His Spirit is calling you, today would be a great day to open up your heart and life to Him. And so if the Spirit is calling you by name, Mary, Jeff, Anne, Tom, would you respond to Him and say, Yes, Jesus. Yes. Come into my world. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe that you are Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that you died on the cross as my substitute to pay the penalty for my sin. And I receive you just now as my Savior, my forgiver, and I commit myself today with your help, Lord, to follow you as the leader of my life. All you need to do is in faith open up your heart and life and He will move in and quake your world. Father, today we bless Your name. We bless the name of Your Son, Jesus, who has risen from the dead. Your Holy Spirit who is present here with us today. We lift our praises to You and we would say, Alleluia, Alleluia, Christ is risen from the dead. So today, Lord, I pray that that You will sovereignly move in the hearts of those who have not yet believed, that they will be moved by faith to gladly affirm and say, I believe, I believe. But moreover, they would say, Lord, come into my world and rock it. We say yes to You today, Lord. We trust You as our forgiver. We surrender to You to be our leader. Come in and change us and make us brand new. With your head still bowed, I would say to you, it would be wonderful if when you leave today, you would tell the person next to you when we are dismissed, hey, today I turn my life over to Jesus Christ. If you don't want to tell them, tell one of us at the doors or down front that you've invited Jesus into your heart and life. We'd like to help you in the next steps of your faith journey. I extend my personal best wishes to you today on this resurrection day. May his power forever change you and make you brand new. In Jesus' name, amen.